Hello everyone and welcome to the Dodd Pod, your weekly espresso shot of all things DeLonghi, Braun, and much more. This is episode number 14, recorded Monday, July 6th, 2020. I'm your host, Jamie Waller, and joining me as always is my compadre to the north, east or west, I don't know, Graham Anderson. So in this episode, we're going to continue our conversation with Peter Giuliano, our chief research officer of the Specialty Coffee Association. You're going to get to know the SCA in more detail, the science-backed standards that follow, that they follow, and how you can also further your own education of specialty coffee knowledge through the SCA. All right, episode number 14, Graham. I am pumped. I'm so excited. So obviously you can see we we just celebrated um, a couple of independence holidays both in canada and the u.s and that's mm-hmm. why graham sorry you're you're dressed up in a, a I, boring way yeah i know i've i pale in comparison uh to that cool shirt you have on i'm rocking out the uh the firecracker ices that you get off the the good humor mr softy yep. trucks other other yep. ice cream trucks but this uh this shirt has been brought to you by the roosevelt's makers of amazing shirts they're not a sponsor of the show at least not yet <laughs> sounded like it though. i know right i hear enough <laughs> podcasts to just say this show has been spot no they, they haven't sponsored the show yet but maybe they will one day but um i have to say i am a huge loyal fan of uh, this company called the roosevelt's go to rsvlts.com it's uh roosevelt's without the vowels basically uh, they have some really cool shirts including this one right here and i figured since we just celebrated uh the fourth of july in the u.s Mm-hmm. Um, and the 1st of July in Canada, right? Yep, July yeah. 1st, July our 1st. birthday. Canada Day. Yeah. Figured Canada Day. Uh, change it up a little bit and uh, rock a little patriotic red, white, and blue shirt. So, I wonder if they make the Canada version of that one. I don't know. I well, Where it's like just the red and white popsicle, you know, no blue. Red and white, and maybe. Like, maybe, like, maybe like a hockey player holding their stick up. Who knows? I mean, I, like that. they're a U.S. based company, so I, I don't know if they're so probably not. We'll go with no. Out. We'll say we'll yeah. say no for now. They okay. have a lot of really cool theme shirts. It's really cool. So I like this. We haven't been out much, so I'm gonna bring the shirts from the outside in during this recording. But again, really cool shirts. And uh, how is your your Canada Day? Is a little earlier than our our Fourth of July, but it's the equivalent of the Fourth of July in Canada. It's Canada's Independence Day, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's the it's the day that we celebrate our birthday as a as a country. So <clears throat> I think we're 153, 153 years old as of July 1st. Um, so not a not a terribly old country, I would say, in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, we've been around long enough. We've seen a few things. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty good. The, the weather here has been, as you know, Jamie, phenomenal. Just peachy. Like every day is I. You know, I'll, I'll use Celsius. 30, 30 degrees feels like forty. That's good. Um, so that's what nineties, I think. It's yeah, it's and it's probably about ninety to ninety-two degrees right here in New Jersey today. Yeah, not as humid though as it used to be, as it was a few days ago. So um, it's hot, but not as humid, so that's good. I imagine yeah. it's a little drier up there as well. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I spent. I spent majority of the week and weekend out outdoors. I don't know if you can tell, but a bit of a tan. Crickets. Insert little, crickets no, here. Nothing, no. <laughs> bit of a tan. I worked hard on it. All right. It's an I improvement. Saw, I wore sunscreen. You're tan I wore than sunscreen. I am, that's for sure. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Look out. You kind of match your shirt. <laughs> Good one. I like that. 
Uh, I had my son calling me Casper one day. Oh, ouch. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, you had some extra days off, Graham. So you took off uh, a few extra days, got to spend time with the family. I can't believe your daughter is now four months old. She's four months as of yesterday, yeah. And uh, she's a big, big baby. She's grown fast. Yeah. I mean, super fast. But I spent most of, actually, I spent most of the time with my two and a half year old. Mm -hmm. Almost two almost, and a half. I think. Yeah. Almost three. Almost two and a half. Two and a half, three. Yeah. Because I, I, I showed you, Jamie, uh, at the end of last week, that dinosaur yes. water oh. park that I that I overpaid for on Amazon. So cool. Let's show a photo of that right now just sure. so that we can can show. It, it's a, I want to go into a, it. <laughs> it's so much fun. But as I, I think I mentioned to you, I was the first the first night I got it out and got it inflated. There's a little slide in the middle. Yes. And uh, I, you know. I was just trying to be a good dad. I took a I took a full steam head start at her and dove down the slide and I think I I caught part of it and I I did put a hole. I thought I had patched it cuz it it comes it comes with the patch kit. Yeah. Which when I was thinking about it kind of makes me feel like even they know it's going to rip. When it comes with a patch you know I mean? kit, you're guaranteed to have a hole in it. Yeah, like absolutely. Totally. Like it's it's going to happen. So let's just include a patch kit because it's going to happen. That, that, I was thinking like the equivalent to us at DeLonghi would be us including a, a replacement pump for our pump espresso machine in the box. <laughs> like we we have no confidence in this product that we're going to give you, you know, the replacement parts in the box because we know it's going to break. By the like, way, guys, we don't include a replacement pump. No, in there. we don't do that. We don't no. do that. Cause, no, because we build quality products. But the manufacturer of this one's like, yep, yep, she gone tear, and uh, and here's the kit for when it does. She did. Now, it also did state that it was, you know, it only supports a certain size and weight of individual, and I was clearly exceeding both of those parameters. So I can't really blame them. But, like, what do they expect? They put a slide. Of course I'm going to want to take a head start yeah. at her. And, Graham, and I think you should stick to, like, slip and slides maybe. Those are way better, yeah. but you should get one that is like fifty feet long. Yeah, and just try to find like a, try to find like a very shallow hill in your area, and just just go vertical. Just, it's like good old slip and ouch because you definitely don't remove all oh. the rocks and sticks under there. Whoever goes first, honestly, they're they're the heroes in my mind. If you're the first person down the slip and slide. Like you're guaranteed a minor injury. Absolutely, that's why you yeah, don't go first. Totally. You wait for somebody no, else can't. to to, no. to damage. Yeah, we did that at my friend's house a few years ago. We had a giant oh, yeah. slip and slide and kind of like an archway and the water. And the wow. first person that did it, no idea what they were doing, and they just went, yeah. boom, bump, 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 and it was not good. But they continued to do it anyway. Again, so yeah, was was alcohol a factor? No, no, not at all. No, okay. no, no, no. Yeah. So you, you do, you take a chance, you have a good time, and certainly uh, the beverages will, will play a factor in how much pain you're in during, and then you'll feel it after. But anyway, yeah, July yeah, 4th, so that was, yeah. That was it, yeah. Canada how was Day? your July 4th? Oh, it was great. I mean, we kept it obviously low-key in the neighborhood, of course, but uh, just like all other major holidays, I'm a huge griller, as you guys know. I'm a big barbecue guy, so... Uh, of course, I grilled on July 4th, and you can see right there in that in that photo all of the delicious wow. food. So we had hamburgers, hot dogs, skirt steak, 
marinated skirt steak. And that's actually a purposeful steak cut that I use because it's in honor of my father, who although mm-hmm. he's not with us, he is with us because every time I grill, I marinate skirt steak and I throw it on the grill in honor of him because that was his favorite steak. For some reason, he loves skirt steak. He did a great job with it. He actually didn't marinate it when he uh, would do it. So I marinate it because I, I kick it up a notch. So had some steak. And then with my wife being a vegetarian and my son being a vegetarian, on the other side of the grill, we had Boca Burgers. Uh, smart dogs. <laughs> but I, I divided it up. We did have corn on the cob, you know, buttered up in the foil. Delicious. Great food. Some sides, potato chips, you know, the whole the whole Megilla. You know, Jamie, you're my hero. I got to say that. I know I've told you that before, but like you are outnumbered two to one meat versus non-meat and, and you're still carrying the meat flag. I I absolutely 100 percent would have rolled over if it, if if my wife and, and daughters are, are all vegetarians. I'm, I'm a follow suit. I, I don't think I have the energy like you do to, to carry that flag. And and you know, it's not like you make. Like you're the only person that's gonna eat it. Yeah. And 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 you're making multiple different types of meat. Hey. I even had leftover bratwurst from a local uh Swiss pork store in my area. So yeah, just you had leftover. I mean obviously I didn't have it all. I had leftovers, yeah. of course, but hey, you gotta fill up that grill. It's a three burner grill. Weber. Weber grill. Gotta get the good stuff. Yep. And it was so good. So yeah, I mean occasionally we'll do vegetarian and occasionally we'll uh we'll do meat, but it's just for me. There you go. So there you go. It was good. Cool. It's good July 4th. Sounds like you had a good, yeah, a good weekend. Yeah. We had fireworks in the neighborhood, uh, New Jersey, uh, fireworks are actually legal. So we can, we can light them up without issue. And, uh, some of them are legal. Some of them are not actually, depending on how big they are. Uh, the mortars, the big giant ones that make the big, you know, shower of, of colors. Those are not legal. Oh, but somehow they still went off. They weren't mine. How, how do you police that? I mean, you really don't. At least as soon year. as you see it, like you're gonna race out. You're gonna get the police force to race out and write them a ten dollar no, ticket. They're not doing it. We were hearing. It sounded like I was playing Call of Duty with some of my friends the other night. I said it sounds like it's Call of Duty in my neighborhood right now. It was just yeah. all over the place. Different neighborhoods around you. Just hear them from a distance. But it, you know what? With everything going on right now, fireworks have been going off all summer long. I don't know about you guys, but we've been having it all year long, all summer long. Because of everything going on, people want to get out and make noise. So. Yeah, I mean the fireworks thing. You know, that's another topic kind of for another day. I mean, yeah. they're exciting to watch, but like the ones you're gonna do in your backyard, I'm sorry, they're just. For me, it's. <laughs> you know, I remember growing up. We used to, you guys get. The, I think they're called like the long sticks. Sparklers. The Roman can. Roman candles. Oh, Roman candles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember, you have the Roman. You just hold it in your hand and it just shoots yeah, out. You yeah, yeah. Shoot each other. Yeah. No. Stupid idea. Bottle right? rockets. Like... Remember bottle rockets? You stick it in a in a little bottle. You stick it in a bottle. It's got a little stick. You light it and just shoots up. Hmm. Yeah. I never did that one. Ah, there's different ones. Honestly, I I don't want to uh, turn into Jason Pierre-Paul for those who know who he is. Football player. Uh, he was on the Giants when he was drafted, and um, during a July Fourth, he blew up his hand. Oh, so he ended up with like a he had, they actually re, re, reconstructed it to an extent. Um, he lost some fingers and you have to be very careful with fireworks, guys. Yeah, uh, not recommended. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's, a, he's on defense anyway, so didn't really didn't really make a difference. But uh, be careful yeah. out there. But yes. anyway, overall, again, we digress. Great Canada Day for you, Graham. Great yeah. Independence Day for us down here in the States. 
uh, rocking it, rolling it. And we're in July now. We're in July. So we've yeah. got, you know, people are drinking their, uh, drinking a hot coffee. People are drinking iced coffee. But you can get both with the Braun Multiserve, wow. the three-in-one specialty brewer. And these are certified machines by Graham? Who? The SCA? Specialty Coffee Association. And if you listened to last week's episode, you got an introduction from Peter Giuliano, the chief research officer, the guy who sets the standards and tests things out with our testing lab, with their testing labs, being able to hear his story. Hope that was a privilege for you guys. It was for us. Mm -hmm. And we had so much great content that we have now part two of our interview with Peter Giuliano of the SEA. And so with this part of the interview, you're going to hear a little bit more about the SCA, who the SCA is. It's not just about certifying home brewers. They do a lot with community and specialty coffee, farmers, you name it. So you're going to learn a lot about that with the SCA. Um, you're also going to learn about what is specialty coffee, why specialty coffee. You're going to learn about education. You're going to learn about what, is, what does the SCA do when it comes to education. They actually have a symposium coming up um, in just a, about a week and a half. So you can check that out as well. So, Graham, why don't we uh, get our listeners into part two of our interview with uh, with Peter Giuliano? What do you say? That sounds good. Yeah, it's, let's go. Let's do it. All right. So uh, we'll be back after this the interview uh, to wrap up this episode. But enjoy part two of our interview with Peter Giuliano of the SCA. We'll kind of go into uh, this part two of of our interview which is which is the SCA which you're the chief you're the chief research officer among among many other roles that you have yeah. you know in yeah. the in the coffee guild and whatnot so yeah. um you know the specialty coffee association the SCA for those who are not aware um there's a whole world of coffee when it comes to this um there's a lot of reasons why the SCA is so important and the testing and the quality of the coffee is equally as important as the machines that people are using. So, you know, we've talked about in this part one about the importance of coffee and, and especially coffee and fresh coffee. Some of our listeners, Peter, have a base understanding of the SCA. Uh, obviously, with our machines, we, we have courses on our, our platform called DeLonghi On Demand. Okay. It's a great platform we use for training. Cool. So we have courses on our, our SCA certified machines. We talk about the SCA kind of from a high uh, level overview, but we know there's more to the SCA than just um, just the certification. You know, we, I looked up things online like the member value, sustainable coffee industry, um, the community, community of communities is what is what it's called on the SCA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So can you let's spend a little bit of time, Peter, if you don't mind talking about the SCA specifically. What is the Specialty Coffee Association? How does UC Davis fit into that? What is your role as Chief Research Officer with the SCA? You know, it's something that I've been really eager to learn, I think our listeners as well. Sure. Well, the Specialty Coffee Association, um, our job is to represent the, uh, the global specialty coffee community. And I'll get back to that term in a minute, but um, we have a membership base of about 10,000 individuals and companies. Wow. Um, but that's not the only people that we uh, seek to represent. We um, people that are part of that we think of as being part of the uh, SCA include coffee producers, those are farmers, um, uh, coffee traders, coffee roaster roasting companies, coffee um, retail companies like coffee shops, mm -hmm. coffee um, baristas who work at coffee shops, and then the, what we think of as allied 
um, industries. Those are people like DeLonghi the, who, who create the equipment and things that we need in order to, and the bags that, that we sell coffee in. So sure. we think of ourselves as a big tent that includes all of those people. Mm -hmm. And the reason we use that term community of communities is because there are subgroups within, mm -hmm. within that. And that can be, you know, the baristas are a subgroup or the, I talked about the Roasters Guild is a subgroup. Those are communities within our, our larger community. There's also geographic communities. Um, uh, you know, we have a huge um, uh, number of members uh, in, uh, in Asia and especially Korea. Um, we have members in Italy. We have a, mm. we have chapters in each of those countries. Okay. Um, who are uh, who are part of our, our our community as well? So that's and then our main activities um, in the Specialty Coffee Association. We do a lot of education, as as you do. Sure. So um, uh, we teach people how to taste coffee, how to roast coffee, um, how uh, all that all the skills that you need to be a coffee professional. We teach. Um, and, and we do some professional certifications that are associated with that. So you can, you can become an SCA, um, uh, you can achieve a SCA professional um, educational certificate. And, oh, wow. and that's something that you can carry with you uh, professionally. So that's a big part of what we do. In order to have an education system, we have to have a knowledge system. And so the research work that I do is part of our, what we call, what we think of as our knowledge building enterprise. Um, okay. And then, uh, and so that's research and study and, and, and things like that. And then the other thing that we do is, is foster connections within the, within the industry. So, um, so, you know, if you're a coffee roasting company, first of all, having in, in any industry, networking is an important thing, knowing sure. who, who you can call when you're having a problem, et cetera, is, is, is important. And that's an, that's an important way to trade is done. So we do trade shows and things like that where, you know, a roaster might be able to meet a coffee producer and they might, they might get together and do some business. So that's another important thing that we do. And we do that through conferences and, and, uh, and other events. So, so yeah, um, knowledge building, education and community uh, building, com making community connections are, are the main things about what, what, they, what we do. I um, head up our research sure. thing, so so that's us learning more about um, coffee. I also take part in our knowledge team, so um, we write the handbooks that we use and the educational oh. curriculums that we use. And our job is to know answers to questions. A big big part of my job is I get questions on the email, you know, all day about you know people want to know statistics about coffee mm. or or they have questions about the health benefits or of coffee or whatever it's my job to know those things or to know where people can get that information um, we as part of our research project we maintain relationships with academic institutions um, that do coffee research and UC Davis is one of those UC Davis oh, okay. um, we helped UC Davis start a coffee center um, about gosh about five years ago now and um, UC Davis was already famous as a, as a food science school okay. um, and has a very advanced wine program and beer program. Oh, and they were, I should have gone there. <laughs> yeah, I totally. Gone there. <laughs> oh man, you should still go there. You, uh, right. it's, it's one of the best um, just visits in the world to see the way that they do um, wine education and research and, and all those things. It's amazing. I mean, they've got vineyards on the, on the campus that wow. students tend and, really? and make wine from. It's amazing. 
Wow. So um, they wanted to do for for coffee what they did for wine and beer. So um, so um, we started working with them years ago to help support that mission, and and now there's a full on set of coffee labs there where we can do research, but also testing. Um, they're not the only institution we work with, though. Um, we uh, we have a project running with Texas Tech University right now, and okay. we worked with the Zurich. Um, University of Applied Sciences in Switzerland and mm. Copenhagen University to do research. So, so, um, so we do research in a lot of places. But uh, but one thing we do with UC Davis is the testing that you've referred to a couple times, and we can talk about about that in more detail. But um, because and the reason for that is um, we've got a strong connection with the engineering department at UC mm. Davis, and coffee machines are a product of engineering. So sure, so, sure. Um, yeah, they actually have a very sophisticated um, engineering education, um, coffee engineering education kind of uh, program that they do there. And, wow. uh, and so, yeah, and we support them in that and, and, and they help support us by, uh, by helping us with, with some of this, this testing that we do. That's that, so a question that I had actually related to the testing and whatnot is um, with the SCA, you know, a lot of the, the standards they set, they, you know, the, the organization values those, those coffee standards. Now there's, right. where do the standards come from? That's probably what, you know, it's what I'm wondering. What, wondering what, how do you, how do you unify something that is all over the world where there's different ways of, of growing and roasting and processing and whatnot? So can you just talk real briefly about those standards that the SCA sets so that we know that those results are proven, they're accurate, um, they're unbiased? What, what are those standards that the SCA sets? Well, okay, so um, we, we, as an organization, we maintain a variety of standards, as many trade associations do, because when, when you're setting standards for, for an industry, you're, you're trying to create some ground rules um, uh, by which people can... So, so consumers can be sure of what kind of product that they're getting. So one of the standards that we have, for example, is what we call our green coffee standard. So that means if it's, if it's being traded as specialty coffee, it can't have a bunch of defects in it. Mm. It can't have a bunch of sticks and rocks and things. It has to, be, it has to meet certain quality guidelines in, in order to be thought of as specialty coffee. Okay, so that's oh, okay. one example wow. of the standard. So we have those for brewed coffee too. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the history of those standards. Um, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the 1950s, actually, there was a scientist at MIT named Earl Lockhart. Um, and he got interested in coffee and he started, and he, and, he, uh, um, and he, at MIT, started, started to do like some scientific investigations, 1950s style, into, into, uh, into coffee, which in, when I say 1950s style, I'm talking about the tools that they used in those days, which are different than what we have. Sure, now. sure. But um, but he um, started to do a bunch of experiments that lasted from the mid '50s till about the mid '60s, where he developed some insights that we still use today as ways to think about what kind of coffee strength do people seem to like the best. Um, another another thing that can be measured called percentage of extraction, which is like how much of the coffee stuff do you take out of the coffee sure. and put it into the liquid right the solids um, the coffee yeah the solids solid, exactly sure. how much solids yeah. do you take out of the beans and put into the into the liquid um so that's and that we call extraction percentage and things mm -hmm. like the the temp how different temperatures affect 
um, how coffee is extracted and therefore how it tastes. Mm -hmm. So he put together a set of recommendations in, in, the, in the late 1960s uh, about, about coffee um, through a series he, of publications that he made. Um, uh, and, um, and so when, and he, he, had a, he had an institution called the, uh, called the, uh, the, coffee, uh, the coffee Center, I guess. Wait, hmm. uh, 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 coffee Brewing Center, thank you. Sorry. Oh, okay. Coffee it was called the Coffee Center. Brewing Center, CBC. And um, the Coffee Brewing Center was established at first in Massachusetts, but then in New York. And, and Lockhart led it, and, and he would publish um, coffee brewing recommendations. And he, he also started this program called the Gold Cup Program. And what he, mm. the employees from the Coffee Brewing Center would go, you're from New York. So this was really centered around New York. They okay. would go to restaurants and diners and stuff, and they would have their little hydrometers and thermometers and stuff, and they'd come in and they'd measure the, the coffee, uh, the, the properties of the coffee that they were serving in these places. And if they passed, they had a little trophy that had a golden cup on it. And then the, the, the proprietor could put the, um, put the trophy up in their, in their restaurant to show that they were making good quality coffee. Wow. So the, the, the coffee brewing center went out, closed in, in the early seventies. Um, and they kind of ran out of financing. And so when the Specialty Coffee Association was founded in the early 80s, we took over their work. Um, uh, and, and so that's where we got, get our, our coffee brewing standards from, is from, from them. Now, they've been updated slightly over the years. And actually, we've been, um, over the past three years, we've been using modern tools, mm -hmm. modern instruments, modern sensory science, et cetera, to sort of take another look at those at, at those standards and see how we might revise them. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is these are standards that are based on research. Mm -hmm. They're based on, they're not arbitrary. They're based on, on trying to identify what most people, what, what creates the kind of coffee that most people like mm -hmm. to drink. And what are the, what are the things that you need to do to achieve that? So, um, one of the things that came out of that whole program is a, is a, is a way of testing home coffee brewers yep. to make sure that they are capable of creating that golden cup because they aren't always, and they weren't always. The first, right. um, you know, uh, as, as you know better than anyone and probably most of your listeners know, it's, it can be pretty easy to mess up a cup of coffee, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I use water that's too cold or, 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 um, or grinding too coarsely or too finely or mm -hmm. using too much or too little coffee. So um, we have this set of, of tests that we do um, based on this gold cup standard that, um, that, that can show by measuring temperature and extraction percentage and a bunch of other things, um, whether that machine is capable of producing that high quality cup of coffee and if it and if it does if it passed that test then we give it an award and it's called a, a specialty coffee certified home brewer award certified home brewer so the so the term just so i i i'm getting this the term golden cup actually was uh was adopted from the original golden cup award that the c the the cbc awarded 
small cafes, mom and pop diners and whatnot back fifties and sixties. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's, it goes back that far. Yeah. Wow. Well, because people, you know, we, we look at our, we look at the machines that are, the, our machines that are certified and other manufacturers that are certified. And, you know, you hear a big part of this, Peter, is obviously we, we have machines that are, um, that are not certified. There are machines that are certified with specific mm-hmm. machines. And I think a lot of it is, is the education is, is knowing, well, what do we mean by a certified home brewer? What do we mm-hmm. mean by a golden cup? What is this? For example, on our brawn multi-serve, which mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about with you in a moment because it, it talks about hot coffee and iced coffee and the, and the golden cup settings, but they see that word gold and they went, well, what does this mean? And, the, and I think the challenge that we're facing right now, why we're so pleased to have you speaking with us about it is what does that mean? And what does it mean to the end consumer who's drinking that coffee? What are they going to experience with, a certified home brewer versus a non-certified home brewer. Right. So, and, um, and just so I just want to wrap up with, so with the SCA, we learned a lot about the SCA, Peter. So thank you very much. And, and I didn't know that it wasn't just UC Davis, although I will say now I want to go once we can travel again <laughs> to, to be able to get out there yeah. and uh, maybe, maybe take a visit there with my colleague, my oh, colleagues yeah, and I, definitely should. Yeah. we have a, uh, we have a, we, we have a field marketing team. Obviously things are evolving now with everything going on with, with the pandemic, but um, we've always, we're always thinking of you know what what can we do to further educate our teams and what can we do to further educate sales associates out there on coffee because it's a growing it's a an ever growing trend it's an ever growing interest that people have so sure. um, so that's really really good to know and we know it's not just it's not just the U.S. and Canada it's global it sounds like it's it's global you have those those testing centers everywhere and whatnot. Um, be- before we go into our last segment, Peter, I want to ask because this is a, um, you know, as of recording, we're going through kind of a, a crazy time in the world right now. Yeah. So what, I know there's sections on the SCA's website that, that kind of speak to this a little bit, but how has the, the, the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, how has that affected the SCA? Has it affected it? Has it, has it caused the SCA to, add more educational information online. So what, what evolution has been taken now and maybe going forward in this kind of you know, new norm that, that yeah. we're in? Yeah, well, thanks for the question. It's been a crazy um, experience for all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so coffee, um, so in the, in the COVID era, um, coffee has been radically changed especially because particularly in the past 20 years, most people now associate specialty coffee with the coffee shop, um, mm-hmm. you know, which have, by the way, grown explosively in the past 20 years. Uh, sure. Um, There's so many more um, uh, coffee houses, coffee shops now than there were. Um, you know, I used, I, 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 I grew up in a small beach town in, in Southern California and there was one specialty coffee shop, the one that I worked at <laughs> right. when, um, when I was in high school. Now in that same town, which hasn't changed much in size, there are 20 and, oh um, and four of them are roasters themselves. You oh, know? wow. So, um, <laughs> I mean, the, the change has been incredible. The problem in the era of COVID though, is these are all um, food service establishments sure. and were therefore either closed entirely or had to switch to a takeaway model, um, which 
many, many of these shops weren't ready for. So the, sure. so the impact was very powerful to um, our coffee industry. However, um, the, there was a silver lining here, which is that what we saw is that a lot of coffee consumers didn't stop drinking coffee because, of, because they couldn't go to the shop anymore. They just figured out how to do it at home. Mm. And um, uh, I, haven't, I haven't talked to DeLonghi about this, but, uh, but I've been hearing anecdotes for, from a lot of, um, from a lot of uh, coffee equipment manufacturers that March and April were pretty good sales months for high-end coffee equipment because, sure. because people wanted to figure out how to make coffee at home. Uh, and a lot of coffee professionals um, started making instructional videos to teach people how to make freshly coffee at home. And that became what coffee people do. We, we uh, you know, we, in, um, I uh, plan conferences for a living and in our next conference, we're going to be talking about that. Like what is making a coffee instructional video even all about? Mm -hmm. um, so, and that gets to how it's affected SCA um, uh, as an organization. We, um, most of our revenue came from putting on these events for people. And that's how we, that's, that was sort of our, the way that our, the economies of our organization worked. Um, we had a big uh, event planned for April, um, April 15th. That was a gathering of about 10,000 coffee people. Um, that was planned for Portland, Oregon. And it all got canceled, you know? Yeah. And so we've been ever since then trying to figure out um, in mid July, I, I do a, I do a, uh, a thing called Rico Symposium. It's a coffee leadership conference, mm. which was planned for in Portland. And now we're going to be doing it online in mid July. I'd love to invite you to join us if you'd Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and uh, this is a lot of the things that we'll be discussing is what, and then there's a, uh, what I've just talked about is what the impact is in the United States. But of course, Many countries, Brazil, Peru, are being hit very hard by COVID, yeah. and those are important coffee-producing countries. Um, and so, you know, now what's coming next is a disruption in in the, the green coffee supply lines, and mm. and uh, and so we're 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 thinking a lot about that. And our job as an organization is to serve people in the coffee industry and coffee consumers too. So that's what we're spending all of our time doing now is figuring out how we can support coffee community better um and uh uh and 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 help with this transition time it seems one thing that seems very clear to me though is that the shift that we've undergone recently about coffee especially coffee being a primarily coffee shop thing to being significantly something that happens in, the, in a person's home i think that's likely to be a, a pretty permanent shift sure. um, uh, once people invest in the equipment and the knowledge that it takes to make good quality coffee at home, they're unlikely to go back to being a seven day a week coffee latte at a shop kind of person. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and so companies like yours are a really important part of that and, and, uh, and providing not only the equipment, but also the, the education and understanding that consumers need in order to use it properly and buy good quality coffee to put in it. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's what's on our mind recently. I actually, it's funny you should say that because just yesterday in my own kitchen, um, I, was, I was shooting a video, kind of a, 
a, a video that we would repurpose down the road uh, for, for various ways. We want to make it as evergreen as possible, but mm -hmm. shooting a video on, you know, how do you use this machine, the importance of coffee. So everything we've talked about already is exactly what I was doing. And actually I want to, you know, down the road, maybe we can, we can talk kind of about that and, and be able to bounce ideas off of one another in, in the education and yeah. not only educating the sales associates who are listening to this, but really the end consumer. We want to empower the sales associate to then empower the consumer so they can be well-informed. They can join this beautiful community that we're in of, of coffee lovers and be able to not just make coffee, but make coffee the right way. Right. And with the right tools that are that are there. Yep. So that's okay, so that's that's the way. Yeah, it's it is the new norm that we're in. So that's part two of our interview with Peter Giuliano of the SCA. I told you you're gonna be learning a lot of information about wow. himself, the SCA, the the testing standards. You how do you just how do you Crazy. just test how do you just come up with arbitrary numbers? No, these were backed by science. A lot of details. So we hope you enjoy that. That's that's just part two. We have another yeah. part next week, guys. It really it made me feel a lot of passion towards what the SCA stands for after hearing him walk through all the different steps and stages and how they go about. Like, it's fascinating to me, and I, you know, that that symbol that that logo means so much more after fully understanding everything that goes into it it's not just an arbitrary thing oh you get an seo you get no 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 this is this is in depth uh so you know hats off to to peter and the team incredible stuff you know there were there are things that we know about the sca and the testing parameters for let's say our home brewers like the multi-serve but there was there's so much in intricacies to the testing standards that even he's blown away by it you know the there's the part about um where you've got to you've got to scoop out the spent grounds from the top and measure the saturation and make sure that it's fully saturated. There's just so much information that at the end of the day, and you're going to learn about this next week. Why? What does it mean to the consumer? Why should you have um, a certified home brewer? And what capabilities do you have once you have that brewer? It's something I didn't even know. Also, where just because you hit that golden cup setting, and now you know why it's called the golden cup goes back into the the 50s. Did you know that the 50s? I, I had no idea, honestly. I I assumed we came up with the marketing term. No, like I <laughs> they they didn't even come up with it. It's, you know, an older organization did, but once you hit that setting, then you actually have the ability of adjusting the taste of the coffee after the fact. So, you're going to be hearing um, quite a bit more on our next interview with Peter, but um, you know, it's we, we hope to have him on a future episode. We know we'll have him on a future episode to talk in more detail, maybe get even more granular into a specific topic of coffee, for example. Maybe maybe you want to know, well, what's the difference between uh, Robusta and Arabica beans, for example? There's so many different questions. And, you know, we might even ask you, what's some questions that you have that we can have Peter answer? So uh, really great information from Peter. Again, that's just part two of our interview with Peter. But we'll uh, we'll obviously have a lot more with Peter uh, Peter next week. So Graham, uh, you've it's only Monday, so we've got a full week yeah. ahead. We've got a lot going yeah. on. Um, I'm going to be taking off uh, a day or two here and there just to enjoy the beach, go down to the shore, enjoying my time at the shore. It's better than the Long Island Shore. No offense, I did used to go there, but the Jersey Shore, in my opinion, I feel like it's a it's a little bit of a step up, but I'm gonna take your word for it. To each our own, right? Yes. 
So, and we're going to have a lot more for you guys. We have, we're actually working on something regarding our podcast that will make it easier for you to be able to subscribe and listen to our podcast, both in audio and video form. So more on that very soon. Um, so for now, we're going to wrap up. Of course, this has been the Dodd pod for this week. I've been your host, Jamie Waller, joined by my counterpart to the North. I never know which way it is. Graham Anderson. We'll be back next more next week. For more on DeLonghi, Braun, Peter Giuliano, and so much more. And until then, stay caffeinated, my friends.